Welcome to episode 13 of the Mosin at Large podcast. I'm Jonathan Mosin. On the show this week, more reaction from listeners on grammatical and linguistic pet peeves, ride-sharing services and guide dog refusals. Tell us about your experiences. And do you say please to your virtual personal assistant? Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com is my email address. You can attach an audio clip or just write something down. And there's a number you can call in the United States to contribute. That way, it's 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736. I hope you've had a good week. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this nonsense on Spotify, a warm welcome to you spotty types, because the Mosin at Large podcast is now on Spotify. It's marvellous what we can do these days, isn't it? And Spotify is becoming an increasingly common, frequent, popular destination for podcasts. Spotify is trying to do some interesting things. They are locking up some original content specifically for the Spotify platform. And I think this is a little bit of a shame that podcasts are going this way. There are rumours that Apple are doing a similar thing, that they are going to try and lock up some original podcast content and possibly even make you pay in a kind of an Apple Podcasts Plus type subscription formula. And I always liked the fact that podcasts were an open standard. Sure, you could charge for a podcast if you wanted, and indeed I have charged for one podcast that I have done over my 15 years now, goodness gracious, 15 years of doing podcasts. But that's different from locking them to a specific app that you have to have. You know, it's like email was ubiquitous, you know what I mean? You email someone, if they have email, you can contact them with whatever email client you choose to use. And then things like instant messages came in and you had to have the same instant messenger that your buddy did to communicate with them. It wasn't ubiquitous like email. Podcasts were ubiquitous like email. And now they're changing. One of the real contributors to this is this really bizarre thing called Luminary. Anybody tried this? I actually can't try it. I guess I could because I do, to be fair, have a iTunes App Store account or an Apple App Store account. But I don't want to. (laughs) It's only available in the US, I believe. Maybe Canada, not sure. And Luminary, they've locked up a bunch of podcasts, including one that I used to listen to regularly called The Axe Files with David Axelrod. Now they've locked that up. And only episodes that CNN have aired publicly are on the old Axe Files feed. And you have to pay a subscription and you have to have the Luminary app. I have no idea how accessible it is. And on it goes. So I think it's a real shame. And I hope consumers resist this sort of siloization, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Siloization of podcasts. It's annoying. I like the openness of being able to get whatever podcast you want from whatever podcast client you choose to have. Anyway, lots of people are getting podcasts from Spotify now. This one, Mosin at Large, is very much open. You should be able to find it anywhere. Good podcasts are not sold. (laughs) And welcome if you're listening through Spotify. I see Spotify has also come out with a new playlist thing. And they're trying to use the algorithms, I guess, that they have been very successful for and known for to compile a list of podcasts in a daily playlist, some of which you've subscribed to, but some of which you have not. But based on what you listen to in your podcast, they're trying to suggest new podcasts that you might like, which is a pretty cool idea, potentially, isn't it? Because... 
There are so many podcasts out there. So if you've tried Spotify for your podcast and maybe you've seen this new playlist come up, how is it working out for you? Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. We're going to be talking a bit today about an old chestnut, but maybe a new update on an old chestnut. And this is the question of refusals of your guide dog. There might be other circumstances where you as a blind person feel you've been denied service, but more often than not, these issues do seem to pertain to being a guide dog handler. The background to this, the reason why I'm raising this, is an experience that Bonnie and I had during the week. I now have become a member of the Uber Rewards Programme. From what I can gather, this is one thing that Uber's trying in different places, so it may not be available where you are. I don't know whether Uber Rewards is a thing in the United States or not, but you guys in the US have things that we don't as well, like the Uber Cash, I think it's called. We don't have that either here, and we don't have Uber Pool here, so the product varies a bit. I know that there are concerns about the gig economy and Uber and driver's remuneration and things, and I think it is important that we take them seriously, but purely as a customer... I like, in general, the Uber experience. The apps become pretty accessible. I like the fact that I know who my driver is, and I like being able to rate them, because if you rate a driver low enough, you don't get matched with that driver again. And I like just being able to walk up to the car in confidence. Even in a crowded area, I have Ira to assist me locate the Uber if there are a lot of Ubers in a row, like at an airport. But generally what I do is I have a bunch of text messages for various occasions that I've assigned to short codes on my phone. For example, I have UBW, because I'm never going to type the letters UBW in a row in any normal situation and press space. At least I'm not going to type UBW as a single word and press space ever, unless it's for this. So I assigned UBW, and when I open up my Uber app and I've ordered the ride and it tells me who my driver is and it has a little button there that you get all the information about your driver and there's a message driver button. So at the end of the workday, if I'm going home by Uber, I type UBW and then I press space on the virtual keyboard and it sends this big long spiel and it says, "Uh, hello, I'm a blind person standing outside the building and I give the address of the Workbridge National Office and I say I'm wearing a suit and I'm carrying a white cane because I'm always doing both. And I say, I can't look for you. I'm totally blind. So if you could please look for me and come up and introduce yourself, I would appreciate it. And it pretty much works every time. I say pretty much works every time because with the Uber Rewards program, I'm incentivized to use Uber even more. This is the trick of rewards programs, right? What they do as part of the Platinum Uber Rewards program, so they they look at your use of Uber over the last six months when you get invited to Uber Rewards and it's an invitation-only program. I didn't even know about Uber Rewards until it suddenly appeared in my app and it said, you're invited and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm part of the elite or something. Yeah. And that's part of the attraction too, I suppose. So I clicked in and it said, because of all the Ubers you've used, and Uber Eats counts as well, by the way, you get one point for every dollar spent on Uber Eats, but two points for every dollar spent on Uber. And it said, because of what you've done over the last six months, you have been enrolled in the Platinum. And one of the benefits of the Platinum is you can nominate one route 
which is protected against surge pricing. For those who aren't familiar with Uber, the prices are usually a lot lower than a taxi. In fact, in New Zealand, we have a scheme called Total Mobility. I understand Uber's super keen to get access to Total Mobility funding. The idea of Total Mobility is that if you genuinely have issues getting some places because of your disability, you get a card and you present this card to the driver and it entitles you to 50% off your taxi travel with a few caveats in terms of the, the, there are sometimes maximum fares that it applies to and then the 50% stops and things and that varies from region to region. But even with the total mobility scheme, sometimes Uber is either the same price or even a bit cheaper for me to take than a standard taxi. With the surge pricing, sometimes the fares are just crazy. I mean, I got out of a plane yesterday out of the airport and I was going to catch an Uber and I fired up the Uber app and it told me that it was going to cost $128 to get home because uh, pricing was higher than normal right now. In fact, I think it said much higher than normal. I'm not sure if I've even seen that prompt before. Considerably higher, I think, than normal, it said. So you've got to be careful. So one of the benefits of the Platinum Uber Rewards is that they give you one route where they protect you against surge pricing by giving you a guaranteed maximum, which is great. And it's actually pretty cost effective for me now to use Uber all the time to and from work. Now, Bonnie, as she will tell you, is very keen for Mosin Towers to be relocated. Unfortunately, we're not going to pick up the whole house. We're just going to find something else and call it Mosin Towers, probably that's a little bit closer to our respective offices. So she starts the evening commute in the southern suburbs and she stops and picks me up in a taxi. That's what we've been doing. And then we continue home. But the taxi fares are atrocious at times. And I said to Bonnie, why don't we, now that I have this Uber Rewards thing, have a new system that we try where you get out of the cab and pay it off when you get to my office and we'll finish the trip in an Uber with this guaranteed pricing. So we did this and the first time we did it, Bonnie thought what a pleasant experience it was, you know, just get in, they know where we're going, the Uber app is amazing from the driver's side at making sure you take the fastest route given current traffic conditions, we're rocking it mate. So this is this is a thing. And then on the second time we tried it, I did my usual UBW to say I was outside. It doesn't mention Bonnie uh, because I haven't reprogrammed one for that. And we could tell that the car had pulled up. Nobody was coming to say, hello, it's Uber speaking. <laughs> and finally, he sends a text and he says, where are you? So I use dictation because I'm standing out there in the middle of the street saying, see above text. I'm a blind person and my wife has a guide dog and you'll have to look for us. He came back pretty quickly on the text message and he said, I can't take the dog. Sorry. And I thought, oh, man, here we go. So I then use the call driver option and I said, Eclipse is a guide dog. It's the law that you must take the guide dog. And if you don't obey the law, unfortunately, you'll find that you lose access to the Uber platform. And he came back and he said, I don't have to take the dog because I'm not part of the Uber Assist program. And only Uber Assist drivers have to take the dog. And I said, that is not true. It's the law. You must take the dog. And if you don't take the dog, 
your livelihoods, basically, in jeopardy. And he hung up on me. Next thing I know, I get a cancellation message, which, of course, charges you a $10 cancellation fee. So we catch a regular cab, use the good old-fashioned telephone and summon a cab, and it eventually turns up, and I'm in the back of the taxi filing the complaint. And to be fair, it's relatively easy to file a complaint because you go into accessibility under help in the Uber app, and then you choose the option that says, I have a service animal issue, and you just go and um, do all the details. Now, very fortunately for me, because sometimes... You get into a he said, she said thing. All of the exchanges about this matter were done through the Uber app. And I said, I presume that you can look back at the logs of text messages. And I presume you can also look back at the logs of the calls that were made through the Uber app. The evidence is all there. They very quickly refunded the $10 cancellation fee. And then they sent another message saying, we take this very seriously and we'll be in touch. What was very interesting was they actually phoned me. And I was pretty impressed by this because Uber typically doesn't. It's very hard to get to a human at Uber. If you've ever had a problem with your Uber Eats order or something like that, then you'll know this. It, It can be very hard to even communicate with someone in a remotely plausible way that makes you feel like you're not talking to some sort of bot or something. That's another benefit, by the way. If I ever get to diamond Uber reward status, you get a special phone number you can call Uber for help on. I'm looking forward to that day, I tell you. But they phoned me. And it was a very nice woman uh, from the Uber Australia office, who I guess look after New Zealand as well. And I said, am I correct in inferring from things I've read on social media, at least from the US, that there is a zero tolerance policy for this, that when a driver causes one of these infractions to happen, the driver is immediately barred from the platform. And she said, we, we do it slightly differently here. So here's the process. Now that we've confirmed the discrimination occurred, the driver is typically immediately banned from the platform and they can work for their reinstatement. So they're effectively suspended. And what they can do is, what they have to do to be reinstated is to go on a kind of a video-based course where they watch videos on the New Zealand Human Rights Act. And I was pretty impressed that she specifically referred to the Human Rights Act 1993, which is our legislation. And she said they watch this video and then they have to complete a quiz. And only when they complete the quiz successfully will their access to the Uber app be reinstated so they can work again as an Uber driver. If there is a second infraction, then normally that results in permanent removal from the Uber platform. So I must say, all this went down in the space of about four hours that I got the call and they told me about the action they took and they said that they were going to make sure that the next ride was free for me to say sorry. They didn't actually. The next ride I was charged for. So they refunded that ride to say sorry I had to contact them again and then they said oh we're going to make your next ride free after this one too (laughs) so you do have to keep kind of uh, agitating a little bit but I was pretty impressed with the way that they handled that because in taxis you are not free of this either as you will know if you catch taxis sometimes you do get guide dog refusals 
So I thought that Uber's way of handling it was first class. It was really transparent. And I'm wondering how it's going elsewhere in the world. Have you had any ride share refusal issues? And of course, it's not Uber. I know in North America, Lyft is very popular. We have another rideshare service that is based in India, I think, founded in India called Ola. And they're very aggressive in terms of the promotions they offer. They quite frequently send me 15% off coupons and various things to entice me to use Ola. But I don't find the app as good. It's not as fully featured, certainly. And I don't think it's quite as accessible as the Uber app now is. So how's it been for you? And have you got any other guide dog discrimination stories to relate. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. This is Andy Rebscher. Hey I'm there. I'm here in the great state of Maine, USA. Woo! And I'm responding to some stuff I heard on your most recent podcast. One of uh, my pet peeves, as you mentioned, is the avoidance of the word me when it is appropriate. As in Jonathan and me and the object of a sentence. But uh, I, I'm not sure why this is such a, such a no-no now that they always have to put I in there. But uh, anyhow, I wanted to tell you too about something my father used to say that annoyed the living Soup. bleep Soup. out of my mother. Yeah. Yeah. And... He would refer to that thing you step on to make your car go faster as the auxiliator. <laughs> and I think at some point he started saying it just to annoy her because uh, I do recall one time when he used that term and she said, now you know that it's the accelerator and uh, I almost said it wrong. You know, it's the accelerator. And he said, well, but it feels so good when you step on the gas and you go faster. And he was not going to say, yes, dear, I'm wrong. He just twisted it a little bit and <laughs> kept going. But anyhow, uh, good talking with you. Nice to hear you. Uh, I look forward to listening to your podcast each week. And... Maybe I'll talk to you again sometime. I look forward so to that. But I, I can just imagine the sort of devoted American couple and, and, and the husband kind of teasing in that way. That's quite a good story, isn't it? I do things to annoy Bonnie sometimes, I must confess. My most recent and favorite thing was, particularly when I was working for Ira, I would walk around the house going, doot, 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 doot. and I would just... Unfortunately, I don't have built-in reverb, but I would still walk around the house and every so often just randomly burst into which if you are an IRA user, you will know is the little call tone when you when you call an IRA agent and you have a paid plan, you get that. It's different if you're using IRA Access now, of course, but she'd sometimes get irritated with me. Can you imagine that? She'd get irritated with me and, honey, please stop. stop. That American thing. Honey, please stop. I think it's quite a cool thing to do. I do note, by the way, while we're talking about Ira, that they have just come out with an update. 
which activates use of the triple camera system in the iPhone 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max and also dual camera system on older iPhones that have the dual cameras. I don't know what that means in terms of what can we expect regarding better quality agent video or anything like that but I do note that in the app update for Ira that's just dropped that is now a thing so I'm interested in that. Brian Gaff's in the UK he tends to be there quite a bit he says I myself do not have a guide dog but know a number of people who do and here in the UK despite legislation refusals are pretty common. Taxis first many reasons for this it all seemed to get worse when the taxi-to-office interface went from the spoken word to text messaging. I'll stop and say, well, I guess, but it is nice not to have the radio telephone yammering away when you're trying to get stuff done when you're in a cab. Gosh, I remember. And you could, you could also get all sorts of intelligence when you heard the radio telephone chattering away when you were in a taxi in the old days. One of the things that frustrates me to no end is the taxi drivers. I don't know whether this is a common thing or whether it's it's a it's a gossip problem we have with the most popular taxi company in Wellington where I am. But the taxi drivers who love to tell me and Bonnie about other blind people they have carried and where they've taken them to, it's a humongous, enormous breach of privacy. I mean, sometimes you get some quite juicy information this way, and it really shouldn't be happening. But of course, they think that because you're a blind person, you know every other blind person, and on and on it goes. However, here's Brian Gaff again. He continues, It seems that there are many drivers who, through fear, religion, health issues, or the problem with molting, do not want to take dogs. In the old days, the dispatcher was able to tell them there is a guide dog on this job put it out, and only those who wanted to take dogs would reply and take the booking. Thus, although the refusals were there, they wouldn't be actually seen by the customers. Now, however, the drivers get told which jobs to do by their status of being empty and where they are on the GPS system. Often, the text just says, fair pickup, uh, X and going to Y, and that's it. Thus, the refusals get revealed to the customer. Well, Brian, I think that's a good thing because guide dog handlers are just as entitled to a speedy service as anybody else. And that's why I don't encourage disclosure of a guide dog when you make a booking. I mean, even if you make a phone a phone booking, I don't think you should say that you're traveling with a guide dog, because we've fought, we have fought very hard for this legislation that makes it very clear that if you decline as a public transport operator to carry a guide dog and a qualified service animal, you are breaking the law. And so I'm glad that this interface doesn't mask that behavior anymore because they should pay. And if you don't want to carry a guide dog, if you don't want to obey the law, then do a different job. Jonathan Mosin, Mosin at Large Podcast. One thing that Brian has also said in his email I'd be really interested in comments on 
He says that for a lot of people in the UK, taking action about this sort of discrimination is quite expensive. It's cost prohibitive. So a lot of people don't follow up and make a complaint. In America, of course, you've got the Americans with Disabilities Act and many articles that I read say there are plenty of people who are happy to take on cases like this. And I suppose there are some cowboys in the field who have given the ADA a bad name. In New Zealand, I'm not convinced that we have the right mix of civil civil rights legislation, but uh, we have a Human Rights Act. It was modified in 1993 to include disability. And what happens is, if you believe you've been discriminated against, you can go to the Human Rights Commission, and if they think that there's merit in pursuing the case, they don't really make a judgment. They don't say, yes, you've been discriminated against. They can't make a legally binding determination. But if they think there's value in it, they can organize mediation for you. And you will sit down with a professional mediator from the Human Rights Commission and the person who you or or representatives, sometimes multiple representatives of the company uh, against whom you are alleging discrimination, and they try and sort it out peaceably. If that doesn't work, then you can go to the Disputes Review Tribunal and they can make a binding determination. Hello, Jonathan, everybody. This is Beth. And I have some more linguistic looniness, loopiness to share. Oh, my word. That's alliteration, that is. Not only the uh, example that you gave, but I have also heard people say things like extreme, E-X-S-H-T-R-E-M-E. Which is really weird. I think regional accents are fun. How about the specialists are going to instead of the specialists are going to? That's another one that's said often. Okay is said as so is in front of an idea. You never hear people say acceptable instead of acceptable, but you do hear accessory, accessible. Isn't that weird? I've not heard accessible, I'm glad to say. (laughs) But anyway, but anyway, what does that mean? But anyway, I think it's just people don't know what to say. And the same with beginning a sentence with yes. And of course, there's the old tried and true, I'm gonna. (laughs) I think we all do that. And the you know, well, you know, it's like, you know, (laughs) And please, people, please, it's preventive, not preventative. Uh Uh-uh. The I mean scenario, that's another one. And I'm not going today, right? Well, I don't know. Is it right or not? I don't know. You're the one who's supposed to know that. And in Ireland, I have noticed, and this may just be a, uh, well, it's not an accent thing. But instead of thanks and think, it's tanks and tink. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's quite and endearing, we, here actually. In the U.S., I'm keen on that, but we don't say I'm keen to go there. That must be a U.K. and other countries. So there you have it. I mean, you know, that's mm. just all I have to say for right now. Well, have a good one, guys. Bye. Goodbye, Beth. I'm, I'm going to pull you up on the preventative and preventive because they mean slightly different things. They are 
definitely uh, valid words in both cases. So don't ping people for saying preventative. I'm not going to go into it all now, but if you if you Google um, what would you if you Google preventative versus preventive, you will find that I am right. Absolutely right. Uh, yeah, 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 that there is a difference. I didn't mention the one that really intrigues me when we raised this subject last week. And, of course, what we have now is podcast listeners leaving us their responses. This one, I cannot figure this out at all. It's a uniquely blind one. I'm pretty confident I'm correct in saying this. I have never seen a sighted person do this. Okay, so that's the first thing. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second is it seems to be related to some of the southern U.S. states. And it is this. There are blind people who write on email lists and social media who confuse the words since and since. And I have no idea why, because they are very different words and they're pronounced differently. But I see several blind people Regularly, especially when I used to read a lot of email lists, which I don't anymore because of time constraints, I see blind people and I know as soon as I open up a message from certain blind people, they're going to do it and it's going to just grate like heck. What they do is they say things like, I don't listen to the Mosin at Large podcast since it is a stupid show. And they put S-E-N-S-E. How the heck can you confuse sense and since? It's absolutely incredible to me. But they do it. I don't, I don't think I very often see it the other way around. So, for example, I don't see somebody saying, I don't have the sense of purpose I once did. And then they put S-A-N-C-E. It's always sense when they mean since. Has anyone else seen this? And it's extraordinary. I can I can honestly say I have only seen blind people do it. But even if you're listening to a text-to-speech engine, since and since sound so different. How can you confuse those two words? Oh, my word. Wow, says Andy. I don't understand the confusion of since and since at all. I wonder if these people were ever taught Braille i.e. for the sake of spelling, etc. Here's Petra. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Petra. I worked, she said, for United Airlines. I knew this, actually, Petra, because stories of you working for United Airlines using your Opticon are legendary in the technology world. Yeah. Anyway, I worked for United Airlines and a friend and I flew to St. Thomas with my guide dog, Gypsy. He was born in the wagon of a traveling... (coughs) When we landed, the cab drivers wouldn't take us. We really lucked out, though. That is an expression I have not heard before. Just as I think I have heard every American expression, I get another one I haven't heard. We really lucked out. I'm going to start using this. Hey, dude, we just totally like lucked out, dude. Anyway, I'm sorry, Petra, because you have a good story to tell and I'm messing with it. We really lucked out, though. Can I just say that one more time? Yeah. We really lucked out. <laughs> when we did get a ride, 
The driver gave us his personal phone number and told us to call him and he would take us anywhere we wanted to go. He explained that many drivers were afraid of German shepherds, which Gypsy was, but he had been to the States and was familiar with guide dogs. It was great. We didn't have to wait for a ride. We just called our personal chauffeur. Oh, my word. She says, when I was taking cabs in Denver, they told me to say that I was an R30. That meant that I was traveling with a guide dog, so the driver would know in advance. Rarely did I have trouble getting a ride after that. In St. Thomas, Petra, was guide dog discrimination illegal? It may not have been. And of course, that is a different situation, isn't it? When you're in an environment where there is no legislation to do with dogs. Carolyn Pete is in Auckland, New Zealand. She says, hi, Jonathan. I don't mind stating I have a guide dog when I book a taxi. I am aware of one driver who has a genuine medical condition where he has an allergy to animal hair. He has a medical certificate that is held by his employer so they know not to dispatch him for jobs where there are service animals. As for the hair in the taxi, they are professional drivers. What is wrong with carrying a towel, blanket or mat to put down? Some of the drivers who have been in the job for years do this. I did have a driver once who was scared of dogs and while we were on the journey he told me the story why I could certainly understand his fear and by the end of the trip he had forgotten Imogen was even there so we helped each other and I admired this guy for trying to overcome his fear. Thanks Carolyn. Bonnie had a situation when we were in Uber a few years ago where the Uber driver suggested putting Lizzie, as it was then, in the boots, <laughs> oh, that's the trunk for Americans, of the car. And Bonnie said, you can't do that. But by the end of it, the driver said, you know, your dog's really excellent and I'm sorry. And so that was good. There's definitely a fair point about a genuine medical allergy. And I did have a situation a couple of weeks ago where I got a call from the taxi company. This is before the wonderful Uber Rewards program, which is basically banished taxis out of my life I'm pleased to say but before I was on Uber Rewards I did get a call from a taxi and uh, the, the, the taxi dispatcher person and he said I'm just checking whether you are traveling with a guide dog because we have a driver who would like to accept the trip but has a guide dog uh, has a dog allergy and we have the medical information here so I was pleased to say no not traveling with a dog this time it's just me on my own Here's Pam Quinn in Iowa, who says, when I was flying home from guide dog school, the flight attendant informed the person that I was going to sit next to that I had a dog and asked if that was okay with him. I know that some people would be offended by that, but I really wasn't. The passenger wasn't providing a service after all, and if he didn't like dogs, I would have felt as uncomfortable sitting next to him as he would have been with us, especially given the fact that airplanes are so crowded these days. It's hard to keep a dog from taking up foot room, etc. He didn't mind dogs at all, and so we were both fine with that. On the other hand, I was boarding a plane once, 
and I heard the flight attendant say, now the lady who has the seat next to you is blind. Do you mind sitting next to her? That I did find extremely offensive, says Pam. Funny you should say that because I was flying yesterday and had a very similar experience where I was given a briefing. I've got a real issue with this. I do a lot of flying. And when I get on the plane and I'm seated, all I really need to know is where my nearest exit is. I know the one I came in, of course, and there's usually one opposite. But if you go down enough in the plane, there may be one closer. And I do like to know that. And I'll make a point of asking it. But in New Zealand, at least, insist on giving you a full briefing, which tells you about the life jacket, the oxygen mask, the call button, all the stuff that I already know. And I find it patronizing. I do a lot of flying. And what I really want is to be left alone when I'm seated to get a few last emails or things done before the doors close. And I can't do that anymore. I've got a pretty busy life and I want to have the same respect accorded to me as anyone else. But I can't seem to be able to tell them I don't require the briefing. I'm a regular flyer. Can you just tell me where the nearest exit is? They insist on going through the spiel. Well, yesterday they did that and I sat there and just let them get on with it but then they said and there's a nice lady here on your right and if you need any assistance I'm sure she'd be happy to help and she was just another passenger it doesn't matter does it you can be as competent as you like you can have any role you like and the airlines have a unique knack of making you feel like a child it's just incredible how this goes down. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hello, Jonathan. Hi. It's Paul Miliarelli. Hello. Boulder, Colorado. Uh, there are the catchwords that people say. This is sweet. Everything is sweet. I try not to say that. It just seems to be and has been the thing for years. Sweet. Oh, that braille display is sweet. That keyboard is sweet. Yes, that's, that's nice. Very nice. Well, Pronunciations, of course, that people are subject to and don't get themselves fixed or tweaked. In the blind school in the Bronx, the Catholic the blind, blind world in the Bronx, in the Bronx <laughs> we had teachers, especially a uh, science teacher who spoke full strength Bronx. And he said several things over the years. And it certainly would tweak people most interestingly. He used to talk about in biology. All right, today we're going to read about the uh, we're going to read about the protozoa and the nucleus. Uh, yes, the protozoa and the nucleus. No matter what, it was protozoa and the nucleus. And he would talk about who is in power in the islands uh as such he'd talk about haiti and he would talk about not the duvalier family he would talk about papa dalier dalier yeah and uh, and uh, baby dalier and you'd stand there and you couldn't help running through your head that old uh, 50s 
a doo-wop song. Oh, Papa Dolly, oh, Papa Dolly, Papa Dolly, yes. And then there was, growing up in the family, we had Uncle Vito. Now everybody should have an Uncle Vito. It's wonderful. He was a wonderful uncle. Uncle Vito was a postal carrier, and Uncle Vito loved his favorite holidays of where he could go to the casino and have some time off and go. And his favorite holiday in January was Martin Luther King Day. Except to his all of his days credit, he wouldn't say that. He couldn't say that. He'd say... Not Martin Luther King, but he would say, Martha Luther King Day. Yeah, we're going to Martha Luther. And I'm like, yeah, why? What, what did you say? Yeah, Martha Luther, Martha Luther, M-A-T-H-A Luther, L-U-T-H-A King, Martha Luther. Never a Martin Luther, but Martha Luther. How nice. Anyway, hope all is well. Wonderful to hear the podcast. And all that good stuff. And now I'm going to figure out how to go uh, change and import podcasts. Trying to find out if I can. I've been playing with Overcast, and I'd like to figure out if you use Apple Podcasts as a default, there must be a way to, or is there a way that you can import them to Overcast if you want to try that out. Hey, Paul. Well, that was a fun message. Martha Luther King Day. The only way I'm aware of to export your podcasts from Apple Podcasts is to do it through iTunes. I believe you can export it to an OPML file or your podcast subscriptions. And then Overcast does support the importing of an OPML file. But I don't think you can do that on the phone. So it's probably... Sometimes it's just quicker to do it the old-fashioned way and resubscribe to your podcast and overcast. I personally think you will not look back. I think you will like Overcast very much. I, I really do like that app. I think they've done a great job. Matt Miller, hi to you. He says, I just got back. Get back. Get back. From a cruise on the Norwegian Joy and was thinking of you because they had Beatles on board. Some of the newer ships have a dedicated club, The Cavern, that uh, and they have a Beatles cover band that plays there most nights and in the main theatre overnights. I'm just not sure, he says, if you'd enjoy a cover band, but there was plenty of live Beatles music to be had. Also, the members of the band did get into character for their specific Beatle. Thanks, Matt. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I think cruises are great. Everything's laid on for you. Once you've learnt the layout of the ship, you know, it's pretty pretty groovy. And even if you haven't, normally the staff are very helpful to help you around. I think cruises are a great way for blind people to uh, get on holiday. So I'm glad you enjoyed that, Matt. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, as you otherwise know me, as Sonny Jim from Gainesville, <laughs> Florida. Uh-huh. I've wow. Been- switch over to Windows 10 and I've been using Windows 7 for a little while. I have a demo version of JAWS and have been promised a gift of JAWS 19. One of the problems I have both with Facebook uh, and with JAWS is sometimes it loses the screen focus and when you go back you end up in a different place 
And then you start typing and thinking you're going along and you get a paragraph or two. You go back and review and you find out you're on top of or far below where you thought your cursor was. And I didn't have those problems with previous versions back when I was doing like JAWS 12 and uh, Office, you know, with Millennium and all that when I was in the work site. So I'm trying to decide where to go next. And I have the same problem when I'm on Facebook with the iPhone. Uh, I'll either stop speaking when I'm doing a dictation and then start back up. And it turns out when I look at it, it moved things around on me. So that's two challenges that I've been having uh, that I wonder if others have. And one last one, and I'll shut up, is sometimes when I'm writing, typing, keying in a post in Facebook, I'll start writing and it'll put a person's name. Even if I'm not writing the first letters of their name, like if I write the word, you know, but, like, but this or but that, I'll write but, and then it'll put a name, their first and last name. And then I have to decide, okay, if I keep typing, will that disappear? Or do I need to go back and erase that and start over? And sometimes it just gets tired of it and corrects itself. So I wondered if others had these challenges with voiceover. I did finally upgrade to 13.22. Heard of all those problems, but getting ready to travel and one of the security stuff. I've had a few little quirks and bumps losing speech, trying to get it back, but hopefully everything's going to be okay for now. And hopefully we won't have another update for a while. I was glad to hear they picked the situation with the uh, hearing aids because that's really important. I hate to tell you, Jim, but I am currently testing beta 3 of iOS 13.3. So, yes, there is another update in the works. There was a very interesting article that came out from Bloomberg a few days ago which was talking about the iOS quality control issues. And I guess if there's a silver lining to the cloud, to the iCloud that is iOS 13, it is that sighted people are suffering too. It's not exclusively an accessibility problem. So a lot of focus has been put on, justifiably so, iOS 13's quality issues. And they are looking at a new kind of quality testing process for iOS 14, there's even some suggestion that some iOS 14 features may slip in the name of security, or rather in the name of stability. So we'll just have to see how that goes. You raise a number of questions that the commentariats may like to comment on. I don't use Facebook a lot, and I really resent being back on it, actually. I got back on it because I needed to be for Ira. I was very proud of having made the exit from Facebook. It's it's just horrible, in my opinion. But uh, now that I'm back, it it does help me to, I guess, look at contributions coming in uh, in my new job. So I I haven't pulled the plug on my Facebook account, but I don't look at it very much at all. I have seen the one you're talking about in iOS, though, which is where I tend to do all my social media, where you start writing something and it thinks you're tagging someone and it fills in a name and you haven't even used the at symbol. It's a strange one. In terms of not remembering your place. I found this a lot more with Google Chrome and JAWS. I definitely have seen that. So maybe others would like to comment on their experiences there and uh, maybe offer some solutions. Hopefully that'd be nice. Angela L. Griffith. Hello, Angela L. That's another thing that Americans do that I think it's a, it's a, it's a usually American thing where people use their middle initial like that. And I'm often sitting here thinking, what does it stand for? I'm going to pick Louise. 
Angela Louise Griffith, but I could be completely wrong. It just sort of sounds like it fits together. Maybe she'll tell me. Anyway, Angela L. says, I know it's a bit late. I know it's late. I know you. Uh, But I wanted to weigh in regarding the linguistics pet peeves. One. Oh, she's got a little list, has Angela L. One. Using the word orientated instead of oriented. Big irritation for me, she says. Two. People who say mute point instead of moot point, yes. That is all. Oh, it's actually quite a small list. Here's Dave Vandermolen on the email, and he's separated several topics with asterisks. Look at you go, Dave. My English language pet peeves, he begins. I could care less, which should be I couldn't care less. That is a peculiar one, isn't it? Because it completely reverses what people are trying to say. If you could care less, it means you actually care quite a bit. If you couldn't care less, it means you don't care at all. So people completely revert. I do not understand where that comes from at all. It basically says people do not understand what they are even saying. Uh, His next one from Dave Vandermolen. The use of due to the fact that, (laughs) which could be shortened to because. Yes, there are quite a few like that. And um, sometimes I run my soup through a grammar checker and it comes up with that. At this moment in time which um, doesn't need to be replaced with anything, says Dave. Now here we are, star, 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 so we're on to the next thing. GPS, says Dave. I use the Victor Reader Trek. I'm a route traveller, and I haven't found a decent iOS app that allows me to record routes while I walk them. I've tried My Way Classic and Seeing Assistant Move, but the settings in both are complicated and the apps are poorly structured. Documentation for those apps is also poor. Have you tried Nearby Explorer, Dave, from APH? A lot of people seem to rate Nearby Explorer pretty well, so you could give that a try. There's also an app called Clue, which I haven't had a look at much. That's supposed to record routes as you go and sort of play them back. Anybody experience that? It seems to be updated pretty regularly and it's not something that I've used. I have it on my phone, but I haven't really integrated it as a tool in the toolbox yet. So if you've used the Clue app, I would be interested in your thoughts. Okay, next, star, star, star. So on to the next bit. I wish there was a Bluetooth keyboard and Braille keyboard keystroke for the one finger swipe up gesture that takes you to the context menu. I think we're talking about the actions rotor. I love using that gesture when deleting single emails, but I'd like to execute that on a keyboard rather than having to keep picking up and putting down my phone. You can do it, Dave, you can do it. All you have to do is turn QuickNav on, press the left and right arrow keys together, And then, when you use the up and down arrow key, you will be activating the rotor gesture. The actions rotor has focus by default, so just press left and right arrow keys together. In iOS 13, instead of saying quick nav on, it now goes bloop, like a high-pitched tone when quick nav is on, and bloop when it's off. And when it's on, just swipe, uh, just press the up arrow key, you'll get to the delete option. Press up and down arrow together, and you will have executed the delete command now, similarly on my focus browser display there there absolutely is uh, you use one of the nav rockers to 
use the actions rotor and then you just push the little bit in above the rocker. Dave says, star, 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 so we're into a new thing. I wish, this is a second wish, if you make three wishes, a genie will come, Dave. <laughs> I wish, see, I granted your first wish and I'm just about to grant the second. I'm a genie. I may not be a genius, but I'm a genie. I wish Mosin at Large was available on Downcast. Such a sad name for a podcast app. I love Downcast because it is so clutter-free, but I can't find Mosin at Large with it. I tell you why, Dave. Unfortunately, Downcast is not fully compliant with the RSS specification for podcasts, and it is very frustrating, and I've had problems with Downcast before when making changes to the podcast feed. I don't know why this is the case, and is it still being developed even? I know that they were talking about a really big revamp of Downcast and they talked and talked about it, but I don't know if it ever happened. Anyway, here's the workaround. I suspect that if you search for the blind side in Downcast, you'll find it because Downcast hasn't updated the feed correctly. But if you search for the blind side podcast with Jonathan Mosen, just type in the blind side and that should come up. You'll find it there. And in fact, it's the same feed. We've just repurposed it for Mosen at large. So you should be able to, to subscribe and listen to it in Downcast. And then finally, star, star, star. Thanks, Jonathan, for your marvelous podcast that I found only two weeks ago. Thank you, David. That was very good. And he is from Ontario in Canada. Hey. Mosin at Large Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's May Thompson here. Hello, May. Jonathan, I wonder if you could help me with this problem that I have. Oh, dear. On my iPhone at the moment. Oh. I used to be able to copy and paste, no problem. I would just double tap on what I wanted to copy and paste and you would hear three little pip sounds, little tones, and then it would say copy and then I would and then I would go into where I wanted to and then I would double tap and hold again it would say paste. And then I know it changed and you had to you had to um swipe down to where it said copy and then you double tapped it. But now when I swipe down and find where you meant to say co- copy, I double pa- tap on it and it, nothing seems to happen. So I can't seem to be able to copy anything after this update. I don't know whether you do much of that or not, but I can't seem to copy and paste anything. It was just that what I'd done the other day was I'd put something on the wrong page on a WhatsApp group. I'd put it on my daughter's page instead of the family group um page and I wanted just to, to change it, to copy and paste it, but I couldn't do it. So I wondered if you could do that. And also Oh my word. How do you tag somebody? You know when it says on Twitter or Facebook tag a friend? Um wondered how you do that. Selecting text. The way that Apple I believe sanctions it these days for voiceover users is really quite genius. What you do is when you've located the part of text you want to begin selecting from, that was a very convoluted sentence, when you've got to the bit that you want to start your selection at, you use your rotor and you go to text selection. And then you flick down. And when you flick down, you will have character selection, which I believe is the default, words, 
lines and I think page and select all. So you could select word selection. Once you've done that, you flick right and every word is then selected. If you want to select larger increments, select page and flick right, you'll get quite a lot of text. If you want to select the whole thing, flick down to select all and flick right and it'll all be selected. When you've selected the text that you want, then you go back to the edit options in the rotor and choose copy to pasteboard or I think it might be just copy and you've copied the text so I do use this all the time I select text on a really regular basis and oh see David van der Molen's going to ping me for that I select <laughs> and rightly so I select text regular that's what I do I select text regular and copy to the clipboard and then paste elsewhere as for tagging someone on Twitter all you have to do is write the at symbol and their Twitter name. So at Jonathan Mosen, for example. And some Twitter apps, depending on the Twitter app that you're using, may help you to select some to, to, to mention the right person. But it's just the at symbol and then the Twitter name of the person that you want to mention. That also works on Facebook. You can type the at symbol and then start typing the name of the person that you want. Here's Pam Quinn, who says, I read the book, Get Back! Imagine Saving John Lennon. This is a book that on the explosion we talked about last week. It's by Donovan Day. I don't think we included reference to this in the podcast, but it's a book about going back in a time machine. It's a really interesting book and um, preventing the assassination of John Lennon. So it's got a similar kind of theme to 11 by Stephen King, which is one of my favorite books of all time, but it's not quite as well written. It's still a pretty good read, though. And Pam says that she read it from Audible. And what a fun book it was, she says. The narrator was awesome, too, with his great imitations, too, which made it even more entertaining. I read it on iBooks, so I'm not familiar with the Audible version, but you almost make me want to go and read the Audible version now, if the imitations are good. That's excellent. It is a fun book, and a number of people have given it a try after last week's Mosin Explosion. Here's Charlie Crawford. Hi, Jonathan. I noted your concerns relative to the program C on Apple TV+, and so I waited to watch the second and third episodes last night. I would urge you, I would urge you to watch the episodes since it actually gets more engaging even though I could do without all the violence and some of this sexual content seems a bit gratuitous, says Charlie. Anyway, I thought I'd let you know. Thank you, Charlie. And um, I guess I might, over the summertime, give it another try. That would be nice when I'm on holiday. I'm currently very much focused on The Crown, season three on Netflix. I love that series. And I've only been able to get two episodes in due to other commitments but it is a great series and it's going to be good isn't it when they get to the whole charles and diana thing i see camilla puts in an appearance later in this series that i haven't got to yet to denmark we are going and jesper holton is there he says hello jonathan thank you for replying to my email on the show and for following up on an actual solution using the scrub gesture. Like you, I do not know why I didn't think of it myself, but that is how things are sometimes. I found a nice workaround, though, using Drafts 5 on the iPhone. 
I really have come to like Drafts 5, especially the blank draft document feature on startup of the app. It's just ready to be pounced on right away. Then, if you set up actions, you can export whatever you write in drafts into Todoist. There are at least two actions, a simple one and then another, where you can also sync notes. That is really a very smooth and nice workflow for setting up tasks and reminders. He says, I also sometimes use it for starting up writing emails, as I can send my draft right on to Outlook on my iPhone. By the way, I agree on your comments about Outlook in your last show. A couple of shows ago, he says, you tried to start up a discussion of pros and cons between using a dedicated Braille note-taker and using an iOS device. I started up using a Braille note-taker a long time ago, back in 1988, using a Danish-developed note-taker at the time. In the early 1990s, I moved on to the Braille and Speak, and later the Braille Lite. Then, in the mid-zero-zeros, I got the Packmate, and later the Packmate Omni. For those two note-takers, I just didn't catch up uh, to them very much. Guess I was missing my Braille lights too much. Later in 2011 or 2012, I got my first iPhone and I switched to the third generation focus display and later the focus 14 fourth generation display. I used that for basic note-taking and liked it quite a bit but I was missing some of the more advanced and easy-to-do editing which a fully-fledged Braille note-taker could provide. And so, he says, in 2016, I got the Braille Note Touch by Humanware. Unfortunately, the Braille Note has had serious issues, both with the software and the implementation of LibLui Braille tables for Danish, and thus, it isn't the ideal solution, though it certainly can do some nice things. I was able to upgrade to the Braille Note Touch Plus this spring, and it has solved some of my issues, namely the hardware-related ones, but not the issues with Braille tables, the less-than-adequate support for PDFs, and issues with syncing of exchange accounts, which is just not very stable. So now I am once again looking into changing back to iOS for my needs. I think, despite the shaky start to iOS 13, the improvements in Braille, namely the change to the proper use of LibLui tables, has really been a great move. There are still issues when it comes to the back translation, but overall, it works well. There's squeakiness going on. It's Bonnie Mosin. <laughs> I know I'm not squeaking. That's Eclipse. Yeah, I gotta, gotta squeak into the microphone, Eclipse. You can get to like a fifth octave A flat sometimes. I can, when, yeah. yeah you need to. You have to squeak into the microphone. You have to squeak directly into the microphone, Eclipse. Oh, you're obsessed with this. Where does this come from? Um, it came off Facebook. I wasn't obsessed with it. I was just talking good about old it fashioned yesterday. impeaching. No, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all part so, of the good old fashioned impeachment. And someone noticed, made the comment that every time a witness comes up, they tell them to speak directly into the microphone. Yes, and I've heard this. I've heard most of the impeachment. And their comment was, anyway. "Sent us, you know, was this some sort of code word?" 
it's not a code word, but people are so paranoid these days. All it is, these microphones that they have, there's so much extraneous noise going on Especially in those in big room. committee rooms yeah. that they have quite directional microphones. Uh-huh. And like the ones we have in the studio, they're quite directional. You can't really hear the acoustical bounce in the room. So they have these directional mics, and unless you're right dead front of in front of them and in fairly close proximity, it won't sound very good. And that's all they're telling them. Speak directly into the mic and close up. What is it with people? Everything's a conspiracy theory. It is. Conspiracy theory. Always has been. I see. I, think. I don't know. Not since the beginning of time. Hmm. No. We just have, you know, Facebook groups and podcasts devoted to them now. And what's the tea of the day? Um, it's chocolate turmeric almond. Wow, that does sound exotic. Yep. We're, we're just uh... Courtesy of David Mosen. Really? Mm-hmm. Why did David Mosen do this? He gave it to me for part of a Christmas present or something, I think. Let's have a... Mm, it's got a very nice... Yeah, it does have a nice smell. Very it nice aroma. A nice, it has a nice taste, actually. Okay, let's have a little taste test here. Hmm. Yeah. It may yeah. not have steeped as long as it could. Mm, it's, so. quite, it's quite pleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite pleasant. Chocolate. Turmeric, turmeric almond. Now, turmeric's supposed to have all sorts of healing properties yeah. or something, isn't turmeric's it? Like what are its benefits? Um, anti-inflammatory. Woo! Um, they need that in the politicians. Yeah. All these inflammatory statements. And what else does it do? Mae Thompson says that she phoned for a taxi one day and she was standing waiting for it. And when it turned up, once the driver realized that she had a dog, it drove off. Yeah, that's pretty common, unfortunately. Yeah. And this is one of the really nice things about Uber is that once you have a job with Uber... You get the license plate of the driver. You get their name. It's all pretty well logged. I mean, to be fair, taxi dispatch systems log it as well. Yeah. Are you tempted to get into the Uber Rewards program? No, not really. I don't know that I want to deal with the stress with possibly getting refused. You know. And plus, but do, do you do you think that it's more common with Uber than with taxis? Yes. Why are you so certain of this? Because I know it is. I mean, it's it's isolated. It's it just kind of depends. It's a it's a crapshoot. But with the taxis, they actually have it noted on your thing that you have a guide dog. Do you think that um, when you call a Wellington combined taxi, do they tell the drivers? Yes, they do. Hmm. Do you think that's right? No, but you know, if there's if there's an issue with it. You just, I mean, taxi cabs, rideshare, it's always going to be a problem. So I just want to get where I'm going. I don't want to have to. But what if you used Uber, which is quite cost effective and convenient yeah. and rocking, and we set up a short code for you, like UBB for Uber Bunny, uh-huh. and you type UBB and press the space, and it says, just so that you know that I'm a blind person with a seeing eye dog outside, you know, and then they'll know that it's a dog. If they cancel, well, then they still get yeah. into trouble, but at least you don't have the refusal problem. Yeah, of but the you may bu- have to wait forever, and I just want to get where I'm going as quickest way possible. Because, I mean, the other day when I took the cab to your office and we waited on the Uber and then we had to, it was, in, it was like 6.30 when we got home. That would be no different calling an Uber versus calling a taxi in, in peak time, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to wait. Uh, in my experience, Uber comes at least as quickly as a cab does. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the problem tr- with Newtown is it's so hard even to get a cab where I work as far as where they can stop. Exactly. So call Uber. I don't know where they would stop or how I'd find them. Well, see, that's the cool thing. You can you've got the Ira integration with Uber, mm-hmm. so you can call Ira and say, "Where's my Uber, mate?" Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. You see, you've got to think. You've got to think in like a half glass half full mentality, and you could join the Uber Rewards program and get all the perks. Yeah. Yeah. For example, we are now eligible for 15% off all Uber Eats orders for three days. Cool. Tell me about how you're getting on with the Heads and Tails, a Heads You Win book by Jeffrey Um, Archer. About three hours into it. Mm -hmm. So This is the bad version. Did they buy the Audible version or did they read it separately? uh, I think they read it separately. Okay. Um, I'll have to go back. I don't remember now. It may be commercial audio. I can't. I'd have to go back and look. Um, It's good. You know, it's a very interesting plot device. It is, isn't having it? Having two stories, sort of like there's the old a point at which book, the plot yeah. distinctly divides, and and here's what would have happened in either scenario, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, and you're starting to kind of see that that might happen, but it's good. I'm still wondering, you know, who's the KGB operative? Because you know they're there somewhere. That Wouldn't was- it be interesting if you could somehow, at the end of your life? You could get this great revelation. Here would have been the consequences of the various decisions you might have made. And, oh, so this is how it would have ended, you know? Like it was all, all the loose ends were tied up for you. That would be interesting because I've often thought about it because a lot of my life has been being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. and I, A lot of that is for anyone, isn't for it? For anyone. And I've often wondered, okay, if I didn't do that, what would have happened? Or if this hadn't happened, what would have happened? And, you know... You do wonder, but then at the end of your life, would you see, whoa, if I had done that, man, that would have been really exciting. Or, oh, I'm glad that, ooh, I don't like that scenario. You yeah. Know? I mean, so, what are the chances of you and I having met? And they're just so incredibly minute, given that, yeah, we're on opposite sides of the world and all that kind of thing. It's extraordinary, isn't well, it? Well, even the, the catalyst to it, if you want to go back that far, was in 1997. When I got um, Renee, my seeing eye, one of my seeing eye dogs, because I was originally scheduled for the May class. And then they called me into the March class. So if I hadn't been in the March class, I wouldn't have met Christina and wouldn't have, you know, started visiting her in New Jersey and wouldn't have been there when seeing I had a job opening. Exactly. So, and I can you know, it goes all the way back so, to, yeah. you know, 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. Where I just happened to be somewhere and. Little pathways in one's life. really weird how it's that interesting, happens. It's interesting, isn't it? You know. Yeah. So it would be like cool. fate. You know, you just happened to not be on the flight or you did happen to be there, you know. Yes. So it's really kind of scary. I mean, if, if you considered, which I do not, but if you consider for a second that there was some great manipulator sitting there with a celestial console doing things for the various characters that he was in charge or it was in charge of in the celestial console, and you could have a debrief at the end of your run, and, and the celestial console guy could say, you know, I thought about... Um, hitting this key to drop you in here, but then I thought it would be more fun to, you know. Yeah. Anyway, that's rather that, there's a plot device for you. Yeah. Everybody there could write their own story. What would happen if you had done this? Mm. And I think sometimes you have an idea when you look back on your life and you think, you know, yeah, I might have wanted that at the time, but boy, am I glad that didn't happen. Podcast. 
another New Zealander, another Kiwi, Kylie Maloney. Hi, Jonathan. I love this new version of your podcast, she says. The double C is a particular peeve of mine, especially in the word succinct. Even professional narrators make this mistake mm, with that word, where they uh, will not do so with other double C words such as success. One of my favourite roles as a Toastmaster is that of grammarian, because I get to teach my fellow club members and guests. For example, I always suggest that people not only pause when they feel a verbal tick coming on, but that they slow their speech just a little. This gives their brains time to think of the next words. It also reduces the chance that an audience will miss something important, because, as I like to point out, she says, the audience doesn't have a rewind button. (laughs) Anyway, she continues, I also give the word of the day in pairs and marry them with little sayings to aid memory. The words pronunciation and enunciation are where I usually begin. Pronunciation, say it correctly. Enunciation, say it clearly. I can hear Henry Higgins saying this. (laughs) I could go on and on, says Kylie. Adverse and averse. I am averse to using poor grammar and language. I have an adverse reaction to poor grammar and language. However, I find malapropisms very funny. In a Toastmaster magazine last year, a columnist told the story of how, when he and his six-year-old son were at a cafe, the son asked his father whether he was drinking decapitated coffee. Please do keep up the wonderful work, says Kylie. Oh, man. I love melopropisms as well. I can't tell the whole story because I wouldn't want to um, embarrass the individual concerned. But I will just cut right to the chase and say that um, somebody once described themselves as a formidable component in a, in a, in a gaming context. A formidable component. <laughs> melopropisms are fun. In fact, I was telling a story to someone at work the other day of um, – a young kid who'd been to his grandmother's funeral and his mother overheard him acting out the funeral. And the kid was saying, in the name of the father and of the son, into the Holy Goes. <laughs> hey. hey, Jonathan. It's Maria Christich in Albany, New York. Hi, Maria. With my guide dog, Lacey. And yes, I have had several guide dog access denials. I've had uh, three with Lyft and two times the dry, I tend to send a text when they're a couple minutes out, letting them know I can't find them and such to call out to me. And I include there that I have a guide dog. And I've had a couple of times where the driver has canceled after receiving that message. And the third time was an instance where I, the driver had come, hadn't followed the direction, and I was using the call driver feature to uh, get a hold of him, and I came to find out that uh, it turned out it was another Lyft driver who had just dropped someone else with a guide dog off at this same location. He was trying to point out to this uh, driver that, you know, I was the passenger, and the driver just pulled away and drove off, and so... 
luckily for me, this other Lyft driver was just there. And so I got re-signed and went with him and it was, that was a good experience. Um, each time I have contacted Lyft and they've been good about, uh, responding their trust and safety team they've uh, gotten they've contacted me we've had a conversation they've looked into it and they followed up with the outcome it's taken a couple of days uh and actually with this third time the the driver the lift driver who i ended up going with was fine with uh being a, a witness of sorts they reached out to him as well to get his take uh so what happened the first time the driver did get terminated so i wonder if it happened before uh the other two times i was told that they the drivers were going to be educated I didn't ask exactly what that meant, so I don't know if they have to take any kind of course or videos or what form that education is going to take, but they have to be educated, uh, so it sounds kind of similar to what you had, that they'll be allowed to return after this education, and they did say that if it happened again, that they would be removed. So I've been uh, happy with the follow, and I've actually gotten, I think it was like a $5 or so ride credit uh, each time that it has happened to me, so um, that has been good. I've had a denial uh, in a uh, Venezuelan hotel, uh, excuse me, not the hotel, not uh, that one's next. <laughs> I've had a denial at a Venezuelan uh, restaurant in, uh, in New York City, but that one I was able to resolve pretty quickly. I showed them the um, ID card that I have from my guide dog school, which has uh, an abbreviated you know, summary of ADA on the back saying that it allows guide dogs to be uh, in public places. And so they made a copy of that card for their reference. They were saying to make a copy of the back of the card and uh, they allowed me in, so that was okay. And uh, then I had a couple of hotel denials when I was in uh, Croatia and uh, visited visiting family there and there, uh, you know, I, it is technically the law, but the, you know, legal framework isn't as uh, strong as it is, you know, in here in US, for, for example. Um, so, you know, the, the incentive to enforce the law and follow the law and such isn't as great. And so, um, you know, my saying it was the law didn't really have an effect. And um, I tried reaching out to the guide dog school there and didn't really get any traction. So um, nothing really happened as a result of those. I ended up the third hotel hotel was completely fine and um you know so uh it, it worked out in a different sort of way but it definitely made me um appreciate what we have here and uh in several other places in terms of the law being uh enforced and uh yes uh ola is an indian uh ride sharing company and i have i don't believe they're available in here i haven't uh heard anything to that effect. If they do become available, I'll be interested to try it out just from an accessibility perspective and such. But those have been my experiences. My The vast majority of my experiences have been good. Uh, many, many more successful experiences than denials, but um, I have had a few, but uh, it goes with the course and I wouldn't trade having my guide dog for anything. It's absolutely been the right uh, travel choice for me. So I will... Go back now to listening. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Maria. That was really interesting. I am intrigued by the Venezuelan restaurant. I don't think I've ever been in my travels around the place to a Venezuelan restaurant. What sort of food do they serve? Well, like probably Caracas and cheese or something? Don't or be a anyway, I'm also intrigued by if you have the choice of Uber and Lyft, why people choose one over the other is one generally a better experience or their particular features that you opt for with one of the ride sharing platforms or is it really that 
you just get used to using one. I do think in the competitive market we have in New Zealand, the fact that Uber here now has a rewards program is really sensible because I used to go coupon hunting before this. And what would happen is I'd use Ola for a while until my coupon ran out. And then by that stage, Uber got all sad because I wasn't using Uber anymore. So they'd send me a coupon to get me back. We want you back. And then I would use the Uber coupon and that would keep me going for a while. And then I get an Ola one and on and on. But now that I have the Uber rewards program, I'm pretty much using Uber exclusively good marketing at large podcast. nick zamarelli i have two questions for you he says can we get your podcast on the amazon echo devices well in theory yes i think it may have trouble understanding the word mosin but what you should be able to do, at least in the United States, is enable the blind side podcast skill, which is still there. And because the feed is the same, you should still be able to use that. So uh, enable the blind side podcast and you should be able to then engage with the Mosin at Large podcast on the Amazon Echo. Nick says, going back to last week's show, does ASB Bank have an ATM machine? Yeah, probably. Horrible, isn't it? Now, here's an intriguing one I thought I'd ask you about. It's uh, in response to a note from Pew Research Center, which came through. They have done some research. It's amazing the things that people research, isn't it? And they say that more than half of smart speaker owners in the United States, exactly 54%, according to this statistic, report saying please, at least occasionally, to their AI assistant. With one in five... 19% saying please frequently. But here's the interesting thing. Curiously, the question of AI politeness also breaks down along gender lines. 62% of women report that they say please at least sometimes versus just 45% of men. Isn't that extraordinary? I never say please to Siri or any of those other things. I mean, I, I would I would never say to my soup drinker, stop, please. Hmm, say that again? No, no, stop. I should say it more quietly. I never say to my soup drinker, please, anything. I did notice this, though, when I set up the drinker for my mum and my brother, and they're saying please to it. And I said, well, just don't, don't, don't bother. It's a machine. Why do you think it is that there's such a disparity between men and women on this question? Well, there's 45% of men ever saying please to their assistant and 62% of women. I find that quite an extraordinary statistic. Is it to do with the interaction between women and technology? Is it uh, that women are just generally more polite? Is it possibly, I see a theory somewhere on this, that it's because many men are not polite to women, so the theory goes. Therefore, they don't feel the need to say please. I think that's a little bit far-fetched, isn't it? So do you ever say please to your thing, whether it's the googly Google or Siri or your soup drinker do you ever say please to it and if so why why do you say please to it when you know you're just talking to a machine amazon have this thing for kids don't they where they they basically say what's the magic word because they're worried that talking to all of this ai 
is degrading manners. May Thompson says, I never say please to my Amazon, but my friends Marlene and her husband both say please every time they ask for the weather forecast or whatever they are asking for. It would never occur to me, says May, to say please. But Brian Gaff, he says yes. When it's scrolling through Wikipedia, I often say yes, please. And apparently randomly it will say, that's very polite. I guess the programmers have been having fun. And an observation from Linda, I chose to set up Lyft on my iPhone instead of Uber because at the time, Uber was featured on the news repeatedly for various crimes and crazy drivers. Yeah, and not very good business practices. There was a big phase for a while where people were deleting accounts. And I was scrolling through the settings of the Uber app and I see there is a really easy feature now where you can just delete your account if you want to. However, says Linda, where I live, it appears that most of the same drivers work for both companies. I've seen that too, Linda. People are just professional rideshare drivers and they'll go on whatever platform offers the work. We've got three actually in our city that I'm aware of. There's Uber, there's Ola, which has quite a presence in New Zealand. I don't think Ola is in the United States, but it's big here, man. They're advertising all over YouTube and in other media, they're really trying to um, get a foothold in the market. And then we have a New Zealand operator called Zoomi, which sadly is not as accessible as it could be. And that's unfortunate because they remunerate their drivers the best. And I get that people got to make a living. Uber has really ruffled feathers in New Zealand because they've introduced tipping. And New Zealanders do not tip it's not in our culture in fact when you come to the Auckland airport there's a big sign that says you don't tip in New Zealand we don't tip at restaurants we don't tip at hotels we don't tip we don't so for Uber to show such flagrant disregard for our culture by introducing tipping has really annoyed people I just don't do it Pam Quinn, she's adamant. Never, never have I said please to Siri or Echo, but machine or not, I haven't hesitated to make rude remarks to Echo, especially with regard to delivering messages. When I try to send messages all too often, what is recorded is either the initial command send a message to the person I'm sending a message to, or the response of yes when it asks if I want a message to be sent. The same holds true on this end. I get messages containing either send a message to Pam Quinn or yes. Has anybody else had this problem, asks Pam. I've tried reporting this, but for whatever reason, the people at Amazon haven't understood What I've been trying to convey. Apple has come out with battery cases for its new iPhone lineup. The 2019 iPhone lineup. As if you need more battery power. I mean, I thought that I was a pretty heavy user of my phone. And with the iPhone 11 Pro Max, the battery life is stunning. It's probably worth the upgrade for that alone. Really just amazing how you can drive the phone so hard and still have plenty of juice left over at the end of the day but if for some reason it's not enough for you and maybe i would consider this if i was doing a lot of international travel still you can now get battery cases for the 11 the 11 pro and the 11 pro max 
In all cases, Apple is saying you get about 50% extra battery life when you attach the case. And interestingly, in the cases this year, they have a camera button. And when you press this button, it pops you right into the camera app. Wouldn't it be good if you could program that button to launch whatever app you want? It's on the side below the power button. And if you have this case, you've got a camera button there to help take the pics. Interesting user interface choice on Apple's part. I did have the battery case for my iPhone XS Max. Bonnie still has it for hers. I gave my iPhone XS Max to Henry, the wonder son-in-law, so he's got that battery case now. Google has launched a new assistant feature. This is cool. It's called My Storytime. And it lets parents simulate reading to their kids when one parent is away from home. A parent will be able to record themselves reading chapters of stories and the other parent or babysitter can ask Google Nest to read those recordings to the kids. Google says that once the feature's set up, the person at home just has to say, magic word, talk to my story time. They say this to their Google Nest and they'll be able to pick the recording of the chapter they want to listen to with their children. Recording a story takes a bit of initial setup, but it's pretty easy to do, apparently. You visit the My Storytime website and log in to your Google account, the one that's connected to your Nest speaker, and then you'll be prompted to make a number of short recordings to help guide Storytime through your Nest, including phrases like, which story would you like to hear? And should we keep reading? Listen to that chapter again or read a different story. Once you've recorded those initial phrases, you build a module for a specific story and then you can record yourself reading entire chapters of the book. Those recordings will also be saved on your My Storytime page if you and your family want to read them that way. Google says that the files are saved securely in the cloud and can only be accessed by the people you share them with. That's a really cool idea, isn't it? If you try this out with your kids, I'd be keen to hear how it goes. When I was uh, traveling a lot and things, I used to read to my kids a lot remotely. And I would record whole chapters of books in MP3. And me being me, I would often put sound effects and make bits of productions. Richard at one point was really hugely into Garfield. And I remember doing some pretty elaborate <laughs> productions of Garfield stories that the kids enjoyed, particularly Richard. So that's a really nice feature for parents who find themselves away. And I guess it might not only be traveling. It could be parents who are no longer together and you just want a way to be in your child's life and reading to them. We have been waiting, waiting, waiting impatiently, or at least I have. I can still remember the night. I don't remember precisely what night it was, but I do remember it was a Friday night in 2018 and the push notifications started coming out. ABBA had new material coming out. Wow, I was nearly asleep. I hadn't put my phone in Do Not Disturb and the word came through that ABBA was releasing new material. Well, sleep was a distant dream. I was messaging and calling and texting lots of people. We were bouncing up and down and all sorts of mean and nasty things. And I realized 
that this was going to be a significant moment. And of course, Ava was promising that we would have the first track, I Still Have Faith in You, by the end of 2018. Now, we're nearly at the end of 2019, and we don't have any of it. Where is it? Well, Bjorn has been talking, one of the bees of ABBA. He has said that they've given up on giving estimates now because they've missed so many. But he says the holdup is a technical one relating to the Avatar characters. That's what they call because they're going on an Avatar world tour where there's going to be all this amazing technology where you'll, you'll, you'll pay big, big money to see a virtual ABBA. Uh, maybe not. Although the sound could be quite interesting depending on what they've been able to do with the mixing. But the big news is he says they've now completed five tracks. And I mean, if they've completed five tracks, it means they're going to do an album, doesn't it? There's going to be a new ABBA album. I'm pretty confident of that. He says that Benny in particular is really concerned about besmirching ABBA's legacy. So he's taking some care and caution about the tracks, the new material. But he says, you know, maybe their range is diminished a little bit. ABBA's still sounding very much like ABBA. The, the, the tracks are sounding great, and they will be here sometime in 2020. So that is potentially very exciting, that it looks like we are getting an entire new ABBA album. I understand Bjorn's reticent. Don't screw this up. And there you have it, lucky episode 13. It's a wrap. We made it through it. Thank you so much for all your contributions and for listening. Be in touch. Jonathan at mushroomfm.com on the email or 864-60-MOSIN on the phone. We welcome your contributions. Mosin FM.